In chapter 8 of the revelation of Jesus Christ, the Apostle John writes, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. What John hears next is a series of seven trumpet blasts made by seven angels, announcing the coming judgment upon the earth. God pummels the earth with hail and fire mixed with blood. He burns one-third of the earth's trees and all of the grass, and then destroys one-third of marine life and the maritime fleet. Environmental disasters lead to economic turmoil. The earth is under siege. It's hard to imagine the future devastation of planet Earth, but the next time you hear a trumpet sound, don't underestimate the wrath of God. I'm Ron Jones. Something good starts right now. You are thus in the hands of an angry God. It is nothing but His mere pleasure that keeps you from being this moment swallowed up in everlasting destruction. Hello and welcome to this Tuesday edition of Something Good with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. My name is Brian, thanks for tuning in. Well, you've just heard some serious and sobering words taken from Jonathan Edwards' famous sermon in 1741 sinners in the hands of an angry God. You'll hear similar language today as Ron takes us once again to the book of Revelation in his continuing series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth and the Return of Jesus Christ. Stay with us now or drop by somethinggoodradio.org to listen to the broadcast on your schedule. That's somethinggoodradio.org. Listen or subscribe to the podcast at Spotify or wherever you get your podcasts. From Revelation chapters 8 and 9, here's Ron with today's Something Good radio message, The Seven Trumpets of God's Wrath. Imagine a place that is so quiet, you can hear your heartbeat. It's not hard to imagine if you travel to the Orfield Labs in Minnesota. Uh, this is a place who created a place just like that. They call it an echo chamber. They say that the chamber absorbs 99.99% of all sound. The Guinness Book of World Records called it the quietest place on earth. And it's the place where a lot of corporations go to test the sound levels of their products. It's where NASA sends astronauts to test the stress levels that they might experience in a very quiet outer space. The, the folks at Orfield Labs say that we don't do very well in absolute silence. In fact, the longest period of time anyone has endured the echo chamber is 45 minutes. They say most people become disoriented after only a few minutes in the chamber. And that, that's true for a lot of us, isn't it? I mean, we live in a busy, busy world and a noisy, noisy world. It, it's hard for us to find a place of quiet solitude. And even when we do, we're a little bit, you know, kind of disturbed by it. We don't, we don't like complete silence and complete solitude. We always got a little radio playing in the background or some kind of noise back there, but a place of absolute quiet where you can't even hear the hum of an air conditioning unit or something like that. It's really disturbing. Which reminds me of what John said in the opening section of Revelation chapter 8. He says, when the Lamb, that is Jesus, opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven for about a half an hour. 
Now, a half an hour isn't very long for us. Most of us, you know, waste 30 minutes watching some silly television program, and we don't think twice about it. And, and 30 minutes compared to eternity where God dwells is just a blip on the radar screen. But 30 minutes of absolute silence in the presence of God, that's a pretty disturbing thing. It's meant to grab our attention. It's that pregnant pause that says you need to lean into this a little bit. In the context of Revelation chapters 8 and 9 and really the whole book, this, this pause, this silence in heaven is really designed to tell us that there's something bad that's about to happen. John, in his uh, vision that he sees, he sees seven angels around the throne of God, and each one of those seven angels is handed a trumpet, and they're getting ready to blow the trumpet. Now, in the Bible, when a, a trumpet blows, it, it usually announces something that's about to happen, like a, a war or some impending judgment. Uh, Paul tells us in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 that when Jesus returns to rapture His church, uh, the trumpet of God will sound. Well, these are seven trumpets that will announce impending judgment upon planet Earth. And John sees these seven angels gathered around the throne of God, each with a trumpet, and then another angel comes in, and he has a, a golden censer. And in that golden censer are the prayers of the saints. It's the second time in the book of Revelation where we've come upon the prayers of the saints in the presence of God. Remember in uh, uh, a few chapters ago where we met the 24 elders, and they were a representation of the church, we said, and, and uh, they have golden bowls in their hands, and inside there are the prayers of the saints. Aren't you glad that your prayers don't get lost somewhere out there in cyberspace? Uh, God, God collects two things, the Bible says. He collects our tears, the psalmist tells us that, and He also collects the prayers of the saints. So John sees all of this in this vision while on the island of Patmos, and then something very dramatic happens. This angel who has this, this golden censer with the prayers of the saints, he reaches under the altar of God and grabs some fire, and he tosses it into the censer, mixed in with the prayers of the saints. And then like a, like a major league baseball player throwing a 90-mile-an-hour fastball, he takes that censer full of fire and the prayers of the saints, and he hurls it at planet Earth. John says what followed were peals of thunder and rumblings and flashes of lightning and an earthquake, all descriptions of the judgment of God. It's interesting that the fire of God was mixed with the prayers of the saints, maybe because those, altar, those souls that were under the altar of God, the martyred souls who were crying out in prayer to God that their blood would be avenged, maybe the prayers of the saints have something to do with the initiation of God's wrath. I, I don't exactly know, but it's interesting that all that was mixed together there. And all of this is a picture of what the writer of Hebrews says, that our God, and remember this, is a consuming fire. And it's a terrible thing, even a dreadful thing, to fall into the hands of the living God. Those words are in the pages of Scripture, friends. Oh, yes, He is a good, good Father who loves us and is full of grace and He's full of mercy. But there is a side to him, another side that you also need to understand. It's a side that will pour out wrath and judgment on the inhabitants of planet Earth who have rejected his love. And when he does, he is fully righteous and fully justified, 100% justified in doing so. I don't say that with glee. I don't say that with any, you know, yippity yahoo in my heart. 
But I'm just, I'm just saying that this is, this is a part of how God has revealed Himself that if we're going to have a full and complete and biblical understanding of the God of the Bible and who He is and what, what planet Earth looks like as we race to the end of the age, we must leave room in our theology for a God who will use evil for His own righteous purposes without compromising His own righteousness and His own holiness. You have room in your theology for that? You say, well, I, I, I don't want to uh, serve a God like that. Well, you serve a God that you fashion in your own mind that's inconsistent with the way He has revealed Himself, and I think one of the Ten Commandments calls that idolatry, right? No, we, we worship God as He has revealed Himself. This is the apocalypse, the revelation, the unveiling of Jesus Christ, who came once as the Lamb who takes away the sins of the world who is coming again as a conquering lion, and with that brings the wrath of the Lamb and the judgment of God. Uh, we've been studying through Revelation, and chapters 6 through 18, you remember, details that period of time and future Bible prophecy known as the tribulation on planet Earth, 21 specific judgments that come upon the inhabitants of planet Earth, seven of those in what are known as the seal judgments then seven trumpet judgments, then seven bowl judgments. Most Bible teachers believe that uh, the seal judgments and the trumpet ju judgments all happen in the first half or the first three and a half years of the tribulation period. If that's the case, then oh my, the, the devastation, the calamity, the, the catastrophe that comes upon planet Earth in such a short period of time through the seal judgments and the trumpet judgments that we'll look at uh, is, is beyond our, our imagination. John does his best under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit to write down and describe what he was seeing in the vision there on the island of Patmos. One other thing before we get to the specifics of the seven trumpet judgments, what differentiates the seven trumpet judgments from the seal judgments, one thing is that the trumpet judgments all come directly from the hand of God. And it's an ominous thing to consider, let alone to read about. So let's pick it up in verse 6 where John says, Now the seven angels who had the seven trumpets prepared to blow them. And he says in verse 7, The first angel blew his trumpet, and there followed hail and fire mixed with blood, and these were thrown upon the earth. And a third of the earth was burned up, and a third of the trees were burned up, and all green grass was burned up. The second angel blew his trumpet, and something like a great mountain burning with fire was thrown into the sea, and a third of the sea became blood. A third of the living creatures in the sea died, and a third of the ships were destroyed. The third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of water. The name of the star is Wormwood. A third of the waters became wormwood, and many people died from the water because it had been made bitter. The fourth angel blew his trumpet, and a third of the sun was struck, and a third of the moon, and a third of the stars, so that a third of their light might be darkened, and a third of the day might be kept from shining, and likewise a third of the night. Now let's take a break right there. Take a deep breath. I mean, that's, that's, that's a lot to digest, is it not? four of the trumpets blown. Don't go away. We're only about halfway through today's message with Dr. Ron Jones, lead pastor at Atlantic Shores Baptist Church in Virginia Beach, Virginia. Today's teaching is part of Ron's series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth and the Return of Jesus Christ. 
Visit our updated website, somethinggoodradio.org, for more information on this series or to hear any of Ron's daily messages on demand. That's somethinggoodradio.org. When you stop by, check out something new from Dr. Ron Jones we're calling Something Good Television. SGTV is a weekly broadcast featuring Ron's Bible teaching ministry. If you're looking for Bible teaching for everyday life, Something Good Television is the place to go. Stop by to check out the sample episodes at somethinggoodradio.org. And now from the book of Revelation, here's Ron with the rest of today's Something Good Radio message, The Seven Trumpets of God's Wrath. And, and some of this sounds a little bit like the plagues of Egypt that uh, befell the Egyptians many years ago when, when Moses came to the Pharaoh and said, let my people go, and Pharaoh hardened his heart over and over and over again, and there were hailstorms and, and bloody rivers and darkness that came upon. I mean, just one plague after another after another. Some of this is reminiscent of that. For example, the first trumpet speaks of hail, fire, and blood that comes upon the earth in such a way that one-third of the earth is burned up. We've all seen um, summer fires that devastate places like California and other parts of our country and other parts of the earth, but, but nothing like this, where one-third of the green grass on planet earth is burned up. You ever lived in a place where there's not much green grass? I, I lived in a place like that once. My first job out of college was in New York City, and I was this, you know, hayseed from Indiana, makes his way to New York City, all right? And my first, I was there for about six months in a training program, a corporate training program. Other than, than Central Park, there's just not much of a blade of grass anywhere in that concrete jungle. And after a while, it just kind of got to me, you know? Like, give me a blade of grass somewhere. You know, I'll mow somebody's grass. Just, just let me go do it. But imagine one-third of planet Earth and the green grass burned up. The second trumpet blows, and John says he sees something like a great mountain burning with fire that slams into the planet. Well, we don't have to spiritualize or allegorize this to say something, you know, random that it means. Uh, it's easy to, to see this as perhaps a giant meteor that slams into the earth. Scientists are telling us all the time that meteors are, are just missing planet earth, and, and given the, the tilt of the earth and the rotation and, 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 and the uh, uh, rotation of the earth, uh, it's, it's, it's any wonder that more meteors don't hit planet earth. Colossians chapter 1 tells us that Jesus sustains all the, the, the physics of planet Earth and the tilt of the Earth and the seasons and the rotation and the distance from the sun. You mess with that just a little bit, and great catastrophe comes to our planet. And perhaps that's what happens here. Perhaps the one who holds the whole world in his hand adjusts, adjusts the rotation just slightly enough to where a giant meteor, this great mountain burning with fire, slams into the Earth. And did you, did you notice the, the economic and uh, environmental disasters that are taking place on planet Earth here. Not only the green grass that is all burned up, but, but John tells us that a third of the maritime fleet, a third of the ships in the oceans are destroyed, uh, perhaps because of the giant tidal waves that are created by a giant meteor that hits planet Earth. But in addition to that, a third of the marine life is destroyed. If you love seafood as I do, uh, there's not going to be much seafood left. 
Your favorite seafood restaurant might go out of business because of the devastation to marine life. And think of the trickle effect of ruin to the world's food supply, not to mention the seafood restaurants and all of the chain of supply there that has to close down their businesses. Environmental disasters, economic disasters come upon the earth. The third trumpet sounds, and John describes what sounds like another meteor. Verse 10, the third angel blew his trumpet, and a great star fell from heaven, blazing like a torch, and it fell on a third of the rivers and on the springs of waters. Uh, This is where another giant meteor perhaps slams into planet earth and pollutes a third of the drinking water on the planet. There's a name given to this star. John says its name is Wormwood. Interesting, there's a little plant in the Middle East. It's a bitter plant when you taste it, uh, named Wormwood, and, and, and it causes all the, uh, the spring waters, the drinking water supplies to become bitter, John tells us. And then John describes the fourth trumpet, where the light from the sun and the moon and the stars is diminished by one-third. Another, another one reminiscent of the plagues of Egypt where darkness came across the, the earth, or at least that part of it in Egypt. Again, imagine the environmental disaster as plants and vegetation who, who rely on the light from the sun for the process of photosynthesis, that all of that is disturbed and messed up in some way, and the environmental disaster that follows. All of this, friends, uh, describes, well, something that Jesus described is very reminiscent of that. Luke chapter 21, verses 25 and 26, where Jesus is talking about the end of the age to His disciples, and He says, and there will be signs in sun and moon and stars and on the earth distress of nations in perplexity because of the roaring of the sea and the waves, people fainting with fear and with foreboding of what is coming on the world, he says, for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Certainly as the first four trumpets are blown by those uh, four angels and the judgment of God falls upon this earth, the powers of heaven are shaken. And I can just imagine the powerful people on planet earth not knowing what to say, not knowing what to do, other than to blame it all on man-caused climate change or something like that, rather than seeing that the God of heaven and earth is pouring out His wrath and it's time to repent. Now, at the end of chapter 8, John pauses a little bit, and he says in verse 13, then I looked and I heard an eagle crying with a loud voice as it flew directly overhead, woe, woe, woe to those who dwell on the earth at the blasts of the other trumpets that the three angels are about to blow. So we've blown the first four trumpets. There are three more trumpets to come. And John pauses and he sees this eagle flying in heaven. By the way, are there animals in heaven, birds and animals in heaven? Well, there seem to be, right? And this one's kind of like a scene out of Dr. Doolittle. This one talks, this angel does. Woe, 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 he says. What's coming in the next three trumpet judgments are so devastating that this eagle makes this pronouncement over John and and those that are in heaven. Woe, 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 he says. Kind of reminds me of the psychologist who was teaching a psychiatry class, a beginning class in college, and 
on day one, he just wanted to keep it real simple. He looked at a guy over here from Arkansas, and he says, uh, so tell me, what's the opposite of joy? And the boy says, well, I, I think I know the answer. The opposite of joy is, uh, is sadness. Looks over here to a young lady who is from Oklahoma and says, uh, young lady, do you know the opposite of depression? And she says, I think I know the answer to that question. The opposite of depression is happiness. And then in the back of the room, he came in late, was a good old boy from Texas. He had his cowboy hat on. He had his boots on. Just as he sat down, the professor says, hey, Mr. Cowboy, do you, do you know uh, the, the, the opposite of woe? And so the boy says, yeah, I, I, th I think I do. Uh, uh, that would be giddy up, sir. I just dropped that in for a little lightheartedness in between the fourth trumpet and the fifth trumpet. We need a little bit of that on this day, don't we? Thanks for being here for today's Something Good Radio message, The Seven Trumpets of God's Wrath. We'll pick it up right here tomorrow when Ron continues his teaching series, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Hello friend, I'm Ron Jones of Something Good Radio. If you've been with us for a while, if you're a regular listener and God is using this broadcast in your life, I want to speak directly to you. When you first tuned in or streamed Something Good, did you know that other people paid to air that program? We call them our ministry partners. They have people just like you in mind when they donate monthly to Something Good which is a 100% listener-supported ministry. Now that you're a regular listener, will you do the same? Will you help us share something good with someone else? We created the 828 Club for people who choose to partner with this ministry through prayer and monthly financial support. It's based on Romans 828, which in the message says, every detail in our lives of love for God is worked into something good. I'm asking you to prayerfully consider joining the 828 Club today by giving $28 or more per month to share something good with someone else. And when you do, we'll send you some resources to help you grow in your relationship with God. It's our way of saying thanks for your partnership in this gospel ministry. So please join the 828 Club today. Here's Brian with all the details. Partnership is essential in order for the body of Christ to fulfill the Great Commission. It always has been. Today, Ron wants to invite you to join him in sharing the gospel of Jesus Christ through the Something Good radio broadcast. When you partner with us, we'll start by sending you a copy of Ron's book, Mysteries of the Afterlife, exploring its amazing secrets. Other 828 Club benefits will arrive throughout the year. To join the 828 Club today, look for Something Good Partners at somethinggoodradio.org. That's somethinggoodradio.org or call 757-276-1099. If you can't become a partner but would like to make a donation to Something Good Radio today, we'll be happy to send you the complete audio download of the series you're hearing now, Mysteries of the Apocalypse, The Last Days of Planet Earth, and The Return of Jesus Christ. Make a donation online at somethinggoodradio.org or mail your gift to P.O. Box 6245, Virginia Beach, Virginia 23456. You can also call our offices at 757-276-1099. You know, you would think that all this devastation would, would turn the remaining population to repent and run toward the God of heaven and earth. But that's not what happens. 
Listen to what John says at the end of chapter 9, verse 20. The rest of mankind who were not killed by these plagues did not repent of the works of their hands, nor give up worshiping demons and idols of gold and silver and bronze and stone and wood which cannot see or hear or walk, nor did they repent of their murders or their sorceries or their sexual immorality or their thefts. It's a sobering picture. It's a sobering reminder of what we need to understand about the human heart. It easily hardens and calcifies. It easily gets us to a point where we curl up our five fingers into a fist, shake it in the face of Almighty God. That's tomorrow in part two of Dr. Ron Jones' message, The Seven Trumpets of God's Wrath. Join us then for Something Good. For Ron and the entire team here at Something Good Radio, I'm Brian Davis. God bless and thanks for listening.